In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The term in our text today, born again, comes with a lot of baggage. Those outside of Christianity and even those on the so-called Christian left use the term derisively of evangelical Christianity. Evangelicals use the term to emphasize their true commitment to the Christian life over and against sacramental Christians, which would include us, because our focus is, and rightly so, on what God does in our midst, not in us, but through the external means of grace, like baptism and the Lord's Supper. Some use the term born again in connection with a baptism of the Holy Spirit, which they claim is different from water baptism. Those who use the term positively can mention the day, usually, the day and hour in which a great change has taken place within them. They say that it happened suddenly. One moment you feel as if you've been carried from death into life, from darkness to light, from hell itself into heaven. They teach that when it happened, a peace fills the heart and salvation becomes so certain of a reality that they feel their sins are forgiven. They stand in grace and that they are saved. But what does it really mean when Jesus says you must be born again? In our text for today, Nicodemus brings us to ask Jesus a few questions about this. So let's follow with Nicodemus and see what we can find out. First, how necessary is it for a man to be born again? Again, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And once more, he repeats it again to show us how necessary it really is. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus makes it clear here that to be born again is not something that is optional for our salvation. Whoever is not born again does not belong in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells a parable in kind of in this vein where a king invites a bunch of people to a wedding feast. And when one of the wedding guests is found not wearing the provided wedding garment, which is representative of the robe of our righteousness that's given to us in holy baptism, the man is removed from the feast. If a man is not born again, his sins are not forgiven. He is a servant and an, of the devil and an enemy of our God. Jesus says a little bit later in this same reading, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. This means that everyone who is born into the world is born into the image of his father. I have blue eyes just like my dad does, and so also do my children. And like my first father, Adam, who fell into sin, so also I have been born into sin. Everyone who is born into this world 
must be born again. Now, when we think of sin, we generally think of bad behavior, don't we? But sin is much more than that. It is a congenital and fatal birth defect that turns us away from God. Nicodemus is a great example for us. He is a pious man, a Pharisee, but not like the kind who rapidly opposed Jesus later on in the Gospels. In fact, it's pretty obvious that he's very sympathetic to the mission of Jesus because by the end of the Gospel, Nicodemus is right there with Joseph of Arimathea burying the body of Jesus. He even calls Jesus a teacher who has come from God. But what does Jesus do here for Nicodemus, this very pious man? He slams shut the door of heaven in his face. He tells Nicodemus, you must be born again. We can only look at the outward appearance of a person. I can only see what you show me. Same for the rest of us. There's a country song by Luke Bryan. Bryan, you probably heard it. And he tries to tell us in this song that he believes that most people are good. But the Lord looks at the heart. He says, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. So sorry, Luke, we can't go with your theology on this one. Jesus is telling us that being born again is absolutely necessary for the person who would receive eternal life. This now brings us to our second question. What does it mean to be born again? Well, to put it simply, it is the life of true faith. Jesus indicates this for us when he says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. To be born again is to trust in the crucified and risen Savior Jesus for our salvation. But it encompasses much more than that, too. Just like when my daughter was born, God had written her days in his book. He knew when she would say her first words. He saw every time that she would fall and scrape her knee. He knows even now what she will be when she grows up. My daughter was born and has a whole life in front of her. So it is with we who have been born again by the Holy Spirit. The life of faith in Christ means that we don't simply look at the world using our own reason, but we judge everything by the Word of God. For example, I saw a TikTok video of a young woman who found out that she was pregnant. And laughing, she poured herself a glass of wine and proudly proclaimed that she had already scheduled her abortion. What does the Word of God tell us about this? Is this something to laugh about? Is this something to celebrate? No. The Word of God tells us that this is pure and unadulterated evil. The world will tell us that it is her choice to do so, and that the child is nothing more than a few cells that have no value in and of themselves. But what does God actually say? 
For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. And so the life of faith is created, but it's also sustained by the word of God. For the person who is born again, the word must not only be what we hear on Sunday mornings, but it is the lens through which we look at our world. It is also our very lifeblood. The reborn life is lived in and from the word of God. And without it, how can we be born again? Or how can we, sorry, how can we uh, turn back those objections against the Christian life and faith that the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature are constantly throwing at us? This is where Christians get into trouble when they go off to college or move away to take a job and they can't find a faithful church or pastor to take care of them. The sun scorches the seed of the word that's growing on rocky soil and the cares and the concerns and the cynicism of this life smother it. For the born again, the word of God is the top priority. So now, Jesus has answered two of our questions. How is it necessary to be born again? He says, it's absolutely necessary. You must be born again to see and enter the kingdom of God. The second question was, well, what does it mean to be born again? To be born again means to change our priorities and make the word of God the top priority in our lives. It's how we view the world, but it's also our source of life. All right, Jesus, one last question. How can we be born again? How does it actually happen? Well, I don't know about you, but I did not participate in the day that I was born, other than being there, of course. I cannot make myself be born again. In the opening chapter of this gospel, St. John says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So not only can I not make myself be born again, but neither can any human being make me be born again. It's not something that's passed down. It's not something that my parents could will for me. It is only by God's will that any is born again. But this also does not mean we sit quietly with our our hands folded on our laps and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon us and pick us up by the collar and kind of chuck us into the Christian faith. The Holy Spirit promises to work through means, through the means of the word and the sacraments. What was it that Jesus said again? You must be born of water and of the Spirit. People loved by God. What is Jesus teaching us about other than the waters of holy baptism? It is by holy baptism that we are born again, that our flesh is made new, that we are born of the Spirit. How in the world can simple water have such great power that it can cause the soul of a condemned sinner to be born again into the kingdom of God? Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these great things, along with the faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism. But with the word of God, 
It is a baptism. That is a life-giving water, rich in grace and a washing of the rebirth in the Holy Spirit. The word of God, the, the gospel itself, is the power that makes baptism go. St. James writes, Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. St. Peter also writes, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For right here at the font, the Father who sent his Son to bear your sins has sent you his Holy Spirit to be your delivery room doctor. He has come to bring you not into the world, but into the kingdom of God. And this is perhaps the most important thing for us to know and understand about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity on which we meditate today. Everything that can be said about our triune God is said in the creeds, which are faithfully drawn from the scriptures. We confessed one this morning. But as complicated as the doctrine of the Trinity is, and think how carefully we parsed it out as we said the Athanasian Creed this morning, as complicated as the doctrine of the Trinity is, we can find remarkable clarity that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have come to make their home with us in the waters of our baptism. And while it is a beautiful thing to be reminded of your baptism by hanging up those baptismal certificates, please do that, by the way, there is no greater way to remember your baptism than to take the simple advice given to us in the small catechism. It tells us, in the morning, when you get up, make the sign of the Holy Cross and say, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Then kneeling or standing, repeat the creed and the Lord's Prayer. Through these very simple things, dear saints, not only are we taught who the Trinity is, but these things also teach us what the Trinity has done for us and what he continues to do for us in sustaining us in this life. By tracing the sign of the cross on our bodies, we are confessing that God the Father has made our bodies. We are confessing that God the Son has redeemed our bodies from death by the shedding of his blood. We are confessing that God the Holy Spirit has sanctified our bodies and made them holy, that in us he would find a dwelling place. This is why our whole liturgy is shot through with the triune name of God from invocation to benediction and everything in between. Christian worship is marked with the triune name of God because in your baptism, God has caused you to be born again and has marked you with his holy name. In Jesus' name. And now the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.